You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. This is like a marriage. Mackey and Judd. Might be boring, but it's stable. On 1500 ESPN. Had a great visit. Looking forward to tomorrow. I'm going to see, be able to see more of the city and the facilities. And, uh, it's a great organization, and uh, my wife and I are thrilled to be here. Uh, I think it's pretty hard not to get done right now. Okay. Um, so we'll work through as agents flying in in the morning. Uh, we'll handle the business first thing in the morning while I'm just getting this principal going on some tours. And then... Uh, Hopefully we'll have be having a press conference sometime tomorrow afternoon. It's all football with him tomorrow. In fact, I hope I don't see him tomorrow until he's uh, signing a paper. He'll be with the coaches all day tomorrow. Coach Jim had a nice talk with him tonight as well, uh, along with our ownership. And uh, I know we'll talk tomorrow, hopefully at the press conference, but these not only from a football player standpoint, but from a character standpoint, family guy, leadership, everything is just off the charts. We have a development yes. in Kirk Cousins' timeline here, his visit to uh, Minnesota. He has arrived at the Vikings facility. He has arrived at the new facility, according to NFL Network. He's getting out of a black SUV of some kind, and uh, he is walking into the Vikings facility. We'll see if he signs a contract, because you know what? Josh McDaniels you know? put together a full staff in Indianapolis. They sent a press release out, had a press conference scheduled, and had a bit of a change of heart at the last minute. Let me give you the reason why I'm supremely confident right now. When Rick Spielman gives you specifics and tells you it would be hard for it not to get done, and I'm expecting a press conference tomorrow, when the man who does not want to tell you it's Wednesday, despite the fact it's Wednesday, tells you that much, Mm -hmm. that's when I think to myself, well, that, that deal signed. That deal's basically all that that's signed. That's a done deal. I that's what I, I think of it. I that would way. have made him put uh I, if 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 we've had dinner at Manny's instead of Capitol Grill, although you could do this, I would have him uh dip some sort of a writing utensil in the blood of the the meat that he was about to eat and sign it in <laughs> blood. Like I want that signature at dinner last night. Okay. We're having a good time can at dinner. Get, let's put, a get pe- some ink out let's there, put pen we, on paper here. Do we need the blood? Somebody have okay, borrow a pen then from <laughs> Hey can I <laughs> Can I get a pen from you? Can I get that Bic for a second? I don't want him going to bed having second thoughts about that thing Mike Zimmer said that was a bit abrasive during appetizers, all right? Sign what the damn he, contract. What did he mean by, I'm going to get benched if I throw a pick in training camp? Yeah. What oh, does it mean by why'd that? Why'd you trade for Trevor Simeon? Are you doubting me? Although I think if all the other teams that are that are you know agreeing to terms with quarterbacks, if they've all signed, then no one has the cap room anyways. Uh, one other thing here, just on the Kirk Cousins, Case Keenum front, and then I'm officially sick of that conversation. Is there value in just like if you if you go in, whether you're Spielman or Zimmer or players on the team, mm-hmm. if you kind of doubt mm-hmm. anything about Keenum, if there's doubt, like I don't know, it was, it was one year, and then he threw a couple really bad interceptions, uh, New Orleans and Philadelphia, and. Ah, I like him. He's a good leader, but I'm only like 60% sold on him as a teammate or a front office guy. 
mm-hmm. but you're like 90% sold on Kirk Cousins. Forget about every other factor. Just being sold on the quarterback, the most important position. There's value in that, right? Just, okay, well, we could trust this guy. He's been maybe not to the degree that you would trust a Tom Brady, but I think just having that uh, that peace of mind going into the season is really important. Give this question some thought. Where does this rank among the times that the Vikings, and this has more so been, they've done this before pre-Wilfs, but they've certainly done it uh, two or three times with the Wilfs since they bought the team in June 2005. Where does this fall for you as far as all-in moves? And I will tell you why the far move was was the sexiest. It will always be. Helicopter following him from the St. Paul airport to... uh, to uh, Winter Park at that time. That will always be the sexiest, most fun day. But I'm going to tell you why I think this all-in-move gives me almost more confidence. I think, and I might be wrong here, I think with the direction that this team is trending, and I think with this move, there's a far better plan in place. The whole Favre thing was done on this. Okay, he's going to go play pre-2008 season, so coming out of the 2007 conference title game where he was bad with the Packers and then retired, there was this plan of let's try and go get Favre. Let's get Favre because we know Favre is mad because he he wanted to go back to the Packers, and they said no, and that didn't work. So he played the year for the Jets, and it was sort of wink-wink, and then he retires again. And then the Vikings are like, come back and play for us. And you had the whole thing, I think, of Favre saying, well, I'll come back, but I ain't going to training camp. I'm not doing training camp. I quit doing that a long time ago. And so... At the last second in 09, he was the final piece to a puzzle, but it was sort of slapped together, and you and you got Favre, and it was fun to get him, but it wasn't really planned out perfectly. Where this move gives me more sense of confidence in, in the franchise is I feel like this roster and this signing is, whether it works or not, is really well planned out. And I think I have more confidence in what the franchise is doing now. So, so the Favre move will never be will never be trumped as far as the sexy, fun, oh my gosh, it's Brett Favre and he was a Packer and you hated him and now he's a Viking. But if you think about organizational philosophies and pre-planning, I think there's something to be said for this move where it actually does exceed the Favre move. So you're just you're just talking in terms of like what, excitement or I'm, no, or no, I'm talking about in terms of confidence of what this says about the Vikings. So so cuz the excitement of the Favre move will always be there. I mean the the Brett, but here's the thing: like the Brett Favre thing was a water put your grapefruits on the table type of a move. It was a bleep you to your biggest rival. It was it was a guy who Vikings fans hated for 15 years. It was a one night stand. It was after training camp had taken place, and so it was kind of a bleep you to the quarterbacks on the roster too. And it was it was the ultimate it was the ultimate put your grapefruits on the table moment. This was much more calculated, mm-hmm. and you could sort of see this coming for a while. You could see this coming from maybe even like November in some ways, where Mike Zimmer clearly isn't thrilled with Case Keenum, so that might put into question whether the organization wants to lock him up. I think maybe Mike Zimmer is maybe speaking on behalf of people in the organization that this might not be the guy going forward. But you could see the writing on the wall with the knees of Bridgewater and with Sam Bradford. So the anticipation getting paid off is such a rare thing where – um, you, especially with the Vikings, you don't you don't generally get to foresee a huge move coming from a mile away and then have it pay off in the way that this move did. Like Jared Allen, you never saw that coming. Um, Brett Favre, you 
kind of thought, man, it would be amazing if this happened, but like, no, there's no way this actually happens. Yep. That's the differentiator for me. Um, they're both very much all in moves. This speaks to this in, in my mind, this speaks to more stability of the franchise now than then. Well, let me okay, let me take what you're here. It just crystallized for me. Brett Favre truly was the last piece. It was like that team could not get to where it wanted to be without Brett Favre. I don't know if I would say that in this particular case. Like that team last year was ready to win the Super Bowl and they just dropped the ball. Like they just the defense melted down and they they couldn't score points after the first touchdown. I still think that team was capable of winning a Super Bowl. The 2000 let me do the math here. The 2008 Vikings the year before Favre was not capable of winning a Super Bowl unless they put a top quarterback on top of it. So I don't. I think the savior factor here is different. Like Brett Favre was a savior. You need him to win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And the you rest of him. Yeah. The the you. rest of this Vikings roster is Super Bowl ready with a lot of different quarterbacks. And Kirk Cousins is one of them. And Case Keenum last year may have been one of them. Like um, this is a better defense. There's probably inter- Dalvin Cook coming back. It's better skill position players. It's a better vehicle than Brett Favre stepped into, and it was a damn good vehicle in 2009. Yeah. He, uh, Cousins isn't a savior on the level that Brett Favre was a savior. But he, in my mind, but in your, but I think in the team's mind, Cousins provides you a stability that you didn't have. And Teddy was supposed to be that guy, but got hurt. Uh, and you are correct. Both the Favre move and Jared moves were made. Well, well, the Favre move was the Vikings tampered. They didn't get caught for it. Favre went and played for the Jets. The Vikings then begged him to come back, and, and he did. The Jared move, I believe, from what I was told at the time, came together very quickly, really quickly. Uh, he had a falling out with the Chiefs GM, and essentially the Chiefs shopped him, and the Vikings are like, we can get him, but it's going to cost a ton. But that all probably came together in weeks. So my point being is I think that this is now a far more stable franchise. Doesn't mean they're going to win, but they seem to be. They seem to have a stability that for a long time the Vikings didn't have. Where, where the Vikings would go all in and it'd be like, we can get this piece now, so let's yeah. just do it. I mean, this is definitely it's 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 maybe not the best you felt about a Vikings quarterback in a long time because you de- you felt good about Brett Favre, like you did. You, Brett Favre is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. You felt good about Dante Culpepper back in the early two thousands and. But I think this might be as good as you felt about a Vikings team collectively going into a season. And, like, you know, for, for Favre, once they put Favre in place, you knew that this was going to be a big-time playoff run of some kind. But to sit here throughout the entire offseason and know this team can win a Super Bowl the entire offseason mm-hmm. and their quarterback is good enough to win a Super Bowl, it's a fairly unique feeling. And you're not begging that quarterback to come in after training camp. So now, so now you've given yourself, and and that's why for all the people that question the Cousins move, that's why I defer to the Vikings a lot on this is because they they clearly, I think, have a plan here. This is not, hey, let's look at who's who's going to be on the open market. Cousins is out there. Let's go get him. Mm-hmm. This is clearly a plan where they said to themselves, he's going to be out there. Quarterbacks like that don't become available on the open market much. Let's go pursue him because in their minds. Not in some fans' minds, but in their minds, it's a clear upgrade. Yeah. Uh, what else involving the Vikings here? You, we, we've seen the uh, Sheldon Richardson rumors that they might be in the market, if not the leaders in the clubhouse, to sign a new defensive tackle. So we'll get that. We'll talk about anything and everything Vikings with Matthew Collar as we wait for pen to hit paper. Kirk Cousins is inside the Vikings practice facility. 
Will he actually sign? Uh, will there be a press conference today? Everyone thinks so, but uh, we'll see. Mackie and Judd, 651-646-8255 from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We're ready. Are you? The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Ready, master control? Ready, switch on. This is 1500 ESPN. It's all football with him tomorrow. In fact, I hope I don't see him tomorrow until he's uh, signing a paper. He'll be with the coaches all day tomorrow. Coach Jim had a nice talk with him tonight as well, uh, along with our ownership. And uh, I know we'll talk tomorrow, hopefully at the press conference, but these, not only from a football player standpoint, but from a character standpoint, family guy, leadership, everything is just off the charts. So Matthew Collar is with us on the Patriot Realty phone line. And you, let's let's give you the floor here. Uh, Purple Podcast, 1500ESPN.com is where you can find Matthew's stuff. You have an inside uh, glimpse into sort of the backstory and the aftermath of the famous "you like that," call it a rant or whatever, you know, whatever it was. Kirk Cousins uh, yelling at reporters. You have the backstory on that on fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. Matthew, uh, tell us about it. Uh, yeah, well, uh, Kirk Cousins for the first few years of his career was. Uh, uh, up and down, let's call it. More down than up. And uh, in 2014, he had been benched for Colt McCoy. 2015, early in the season, he had been struggling. And then uh, in week six, came out against the Tampa Bay Bucks and led a 24-point comeback. And, and after that game, he was walking into the, the hallway there to go to the locker room, and he spotted one of the reporters who, I, I guess, had had some criticism for his ups and downs. Uh, even though Kirk Cousins said it wasn't about that, but he he saw this reporter who always did interviews, and he screamed in his face right after that. And it, oddly enough, you like that? sort of you like that? The, that's yep, that's the scream. <laughs> oddly enough, uh, I mean this thing has 47 million Vine loops, they call it, so it's been played 47 million times. It has millions of YouTube hits. You've seen it a, a ton of times on Twitter and and really what it represents that I think people don't realize is the turning point in Kirk Cousins career after that he threw 23 touchdowns and three picks the rest of the season went 7 and 3 and led Washington to the playoffs and then basically solidified himself as their starting quarterback at that point and and really has been uh, good enough to deserve an 84 million dollar guaranteed contract since then Thus, your job from this day forward is to write critical things at every turn, Collar, and make sure that, that he sees them. Your job now becomes to become the guy who doubts him here so that he can respond to you with the same type of performance as he did the guy in Washington. Well, from talking to uh, Tarek El-Bashir, who is the reporter, he said that a scream like that, upon reflection, I mean, it took him by surprise, but upon reflection was not that shocking because I guess Kirk Cousins does that to his defensive players all the time in practice. Like if he throws a touchdown against them, he'll run up and yell in their face or, or something like that. And even after a game uh, in 2016, he yelled at the general manager of the team saying something like, it wasn't you like that. I think, I believe it was how you like me now. Cause uh, I think maybe that song was hot then. So, uh, you know, because they haven't, they didn't, they didn't buy into him as their long-term quarterback after that 2015 season, and I think that he was sending a bit of me- a message there to their uh, former GM. So it's not; uh, it wouldn't be a shock if at some point one of us had Kirk Cousins yell in our face. So I look forward to that. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be fun. All right, just seeing that this is all coming down. This is 
Because the, the Vikings have more money to spend if they want to go bring another free agent. So, now, so two different outlets here now. Pro Football Talk is reporting Sheldon Richardson, 27-year-old stud defensive tackle, is in Minnesota for a visit today. And the Seattle Times reporting that Seattle offered $11 million a year to keep Sheldon Richardson, and he wants closer to $15 million a year. That's a lot of money. How good is Sheldon Richardson? He's had a lot of, there's been some off-the-field stuff the last two or three years, but uh, how good is he on the field? Is is that money worth it? Yeah, the off-the-field stuff uh, would definitely be a concern. The guy, it turns out, likes to drive really fast. So, yeah. Um, I mean, me too in my Honda Civic, but it doesn't go as fast as his uh, SUV did. I think he was at a, maybe like 120 miles an hour more than once, if I'm not mistaken. But as a player, uh, Sheldon Richardson is very, very good. I mean, last year his sack total was not very high, but his pressure, his QB hits uh, were still, he had a very good rate when he was rushing the passer. He can stuff the run, but I think if you put him next to Linval Joseph, his main job would be beating the guard over top of him and, and, and trying to get in the face of the quarterback. And if you think about how that would fit with Everson Griffin or Daniil Hunter, depending on how they align themselves, I mean, that, that could be pretty darn dangerous uh, with him. I, I mean, I don't think that he is one of the absolute elite players at that position, but I think that he's kind of in the, in the second cut of those, so I don't think he's someone like a, a Gerald McCoy or someone like that, but I think he's right below that, or, or an Indomitian Sue. I don't think he's quite on that level, uh, but if you're talking about putting him next to Linval Joseph, that would be quite the signing for the Vikings, and, and that position is something that they value a lot in Mike Zimmer's defense. And last year, I thought Tom Johnson and uh, Shamar Steffen did a really good job of kind of filling that out, but you could definitely improve in your production there with Sheldon Richardson. How much? In your mind, would he potentially improve that interior defensive line, Matthew? Um, I think quite a bit, as much as respect as I had for the job Tom Johnson did last year. I would expect a higher pressure total, a higher sack total, and a guy that could uh, play in both ways, too. I mean, stuffing the run, he can do that. Uh, I don't you know if it's worth $10 million a year to do it, uh, but... You know, I've also, you know, the last time that he was playing next to somebody that was really dominant um, in with the, in New York, playing with the Jets, he was one of the best at his position. So, I mean, it it might be a little on the expensive side to bring him in, but you'd be talking about uh, making a very good argument for having the best defensive line in the NFL. Give me your best guess about uh, guys un- under contract who aren't going to be back if the, these uh, two moves, which are pretty seismic when it comes to cap implications, are made. I think that probably just uh, Latavius Murray. If you're signing Sheldon Richardson and you're going to pay him a cap hit of somewhere between eight and twelve million dollars, then you probably can't keep Latavius Murray around with a cap hit of six million. And if Murray decides that he doesn't want to restructure his deal, then they would just have to let him go and look to the open market to fill that out. Now. I look at Kyle Rudolph's contract and say, yeah, they could cut him or they could try to restructure that. I, I don't know if they will or not. I think next year is probably the time where they will restructure uh, Rudolph or, or that could be his last year here if he doesn't want to do that. But I think for now they would still be in good shape because they, they have a ton of cap room now. I think the concerns about Kirk Cousins were never about 2018 because even if you add a $30 million cap hit, you still have – 
20-something million to work with. It's more about when you have to sign these other guys. And if you're looking at the wide receiver market this offseason, if you thought you were going to get a deal on Stephon Diggs, I've got news. You're not. Because Sammy Watkins, who had 39 catches last year, just got a huge contract. Paul Richardson, who had 40 catches, had just got a big contract. And Mike Evans, an elite wide receiver, which is where I think Stephon Diggs belongs in the league, yeah. got $55 million guaranteed. So, I mean, that's that's where it's going to get tricky. Right now, especially on a short-term deal, you could bring in Sheldon Richardson for sure. Uh, Matthew, Kyle, I want, I want to run this theory by you because we, we got a call on this, and I've seen this as a, a pretty widely uh, talked about angle that I disagree with on the Kirk Cousins acquisition that, hey, you went 13-3 and last year with Case Keenum, and you're bringing back, you know, relatively the same roster – well, shouldn't you then like shouldn't the bar be thirteen and three? And if you if you uh, if you go anything less than that, then you know what was the point of paying all that money to improve quote unquote in the quarterback position? Well, I think you have to look at it this way. What what give, give me a list of things that that might go uh, the wrong direction in two thousand eighteen. So schedule's going to make it tougher to win more games. Check your defense might still be really good. Probably can't bank on it being number one in almost every meaningful category. Let's say it's number five in every category. Like So check, that takes a step back. You were lucky with injuries on defense last year. Somebody might blow a wheel this year. Uh, and then I think you have to account for the likelihood that Case Keenum regresses to some extent. So how can I fill up the glass on the other end to make up for those things? And Kirk Cousins is one of those items, and there, then there might be a couple more. But like 13 wins shouldn't be the barometer. What are your thoughts? No, I, I think that what you're looking for is just to be in the playoffs and have a good season and maybe set yourself up to be toward the top of the division. If Aaron Rodgers plays 16 games, I don't care what a mess that roster is. They're probably going 12-4 and four because he's Aaron Rodgers, and that's how it always goes for the Green Bay Packers, no matter how much they try to ruin his career with their defense and with uh, letting his weapons go or not adding to them or anything like that. Uh, but, you know, I, the way I look at it is if you end up going 10-6, and six, but you have a better chance to win in the playoffs than you did with Case Keenum because that's what it often comes down to is great quarterback play, then it doesn't really matter what you end up in the regular season. All of the stuff that you named, I would agree with, especially the schedule point. This schedule is a nightmare, and it's going to be really tough for them to repeat the 13-3 and three season. But I think that the – and the focus on what the record is going to be, it, just, it doesn't really matter if you're in the postseason. And I think that even though the uh, Eagles took it tape to tape and, and some teams have recently, what we've seen in the NFL is if you're in, then you've always got a, a, a pretty good chance. And then you can hope that your quarterback doesn't fling a ball up in the air in the divisional game and have it picked off when you're up 17-7 to or be up 7 nothing and throw a, you know, a pick six to the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that this is mostly really about that. It's about not a quarterback who you know won't regress, which you expected from Case Keenum, and a quarterback that might give you a better chance once you get to the playoffs to go all the way. Uh, speaking of that very topic, are you, are you uh, pleased, might not be the right word, your thoughts on, on how the Vikings addressed the backup QB situation by making the trade with Denver on uh, Wednesday for Trevor Simeon? Oh, I think that's a great move. I think what you found was some other Case Keenum. and the, They're they're hard to find, your Case Keenum, your Nick Foles. I mean, they didn't pay uh, Keenum a lot of money, but a guy that uh, would have the potential to 
uh, fill in and, and give you good quarterback play and keep you in the conversation if Kirk Cousins were to go down for six games. The, the biggest fear is if you're someone like uh, the Texans last year and your quarterback goes down, your season's just over, even if you had a good team. And, and Trevor Simeon has proven, I mean, he's 13-11 and 11 as a starter on pretty good Denver teams that don't have wide receivers like this. He's proven that he can at least keep you around 500 if you need him. And then any more than that, I I wouldn't want him as as my quarterback. But, you know, I compared yesterday uh, Case Keenum's numbers before he joined the Vikings to Trevor Simeon's numbers now, and they are almost exactly identical. Uh, So my guess would be that if Simeon was placed into this offense for a, a number of games, that they could probably keep winning. Yeah. Uh, where would uh, if 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 you had to wine and dine a free agent? They went to Capitol Grill last night. You've been in the Twin Cities now for a couple of years. You know where where would you wine and dine a free agent, Matthew? You guys think that I have the money to wine and dine myself? Well, I mean, you can go to, you know, you go to Taco <laughs> Bell, don't you? <laughs> no, you know, I have been to to Manny's and it's pretty good. But I would say my favorite spot around here because it's right around the corner from our house. So anytime it's like. All right, we're not cooking dinner at home. It's going to Culver's, man. I was going to say Perkins, but Culver's is another great option. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's just a, a wide array of choices, man. If you're in the, in the mood for a burger, they can do it or, or whatever you might be Chicken looking Chicken tenders for. is great, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Got, got, got some cheese curds on the side there. I mean, it's really anything you want. Honestly, so, like if yeah. Culver's is a great call, and I, so I would add Perkins if – if I'm whining and dining you, and if you don't like the chicken tender melt at Perkins, I don't want you on my team anyway. So you can find out a lot about, you know, team chemistry that way. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I mean, that's that's the thing that uh, you can make someone happy with that kind of versatile menu. Uh, you know, if you're ta- talking a steak place, then it's steak or bust. If it's uh, if this person wants a roast beef sandwich, they can do that at Culver's. I mean, <laughs> you got so many options. <laughs> Thanks, Collar. Thanks a lot for that insight. Bye, Matthew. Bye. That's Matthew Collar. That's a sinister laugh he's got going. 1500ESPN.com in the Purple Podcast. You can do roast beef at Culver's? Oh, yeah. Culver's is no idea. They're very very versatile. Yeah. Wow. I knew a better brand of beef makes a butter burger better, but I didn't know you could do roast beef. And don't forget about... You know, like the turtle sundae when that pops uh, well once a week or so. Oh, a little, a little custard, huh? a little concrete oh, yeah. mixer or something. You know what I'm talking about. I right didn't now. realize, but I, I was told by the wife a couple days ago, Chick-fil-A now in uh, St. Louis Park. Chick-fil-A okay. has been added to the... So. Yeah, but you can't go there on Sundays. No. Did, did you guys I made see that the, joke. She didn't think it was funny. The Josh McCown uh, Chick-fil-A post from yesterday on Twitter? Mm. He literally signed his contract. He signed it electronically on his phone or whatever while sitting in the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A. His kid was in the back, took the photo. You can see the sign. He's waiting for his order or whatever. He's uh, no better place to sign Genius. my de- new deal Hell than yeah. <laughs> waiting for my little chicky chick sandwich. <laughs> Jeff, where, where have you signed contracts from? Always in the office here or any any exotic looking? No. Ever five zero beers exotic, in at Bunnies? Zero exotic locations <laughs> and not Bunnies. And now it's time for another member of the Mackie and Judd show to tell you all about his NCAA tournament bracket, even though you didn't ask. Boy, Oklahoma came out swinging early in the second half here, but Rhode Island punching back. It's a one-point lead for Oklahoma. Make it three now, the 10 seed over the seven, with uh, about 16 minutes and 20 seconds left in the second half here. And then let's see, Tennessee, the three seed, is up 
34-23 on Wright that's, State. That's on True TV. And then Gonzaga and uh, is it UNC Greensboro? Is that the UNCG yeah, that situation? Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's tipping off as we speak. I've got Rhode Island in this one. Come on, boys, got to well, come back. I've here. got Gonzaga winning one of the the brackets. Oh my! And Rhode Island winning this one too. True TV is what channel on Comcast? Do you guys know? It's on there. Every year I got to find it again. Use the every, voice command every year. Just say True TV. Who do you have winning this game? <laughs> I have no clue. You don't give a sh. That's because that's what the season's all about. This has been a member of the Mackie and Judd Show telling you all about his NCAA tournament bracket. Phil Mackie. I just love the fact that every time he comes on, you get insight about stuff that you don't know. Judd Zolgad. Every time he's just full of insight, he's, he's kind of an open book. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. What's that? Yep, had a great visit. Looking forward to tomorrow. Going to see be able to see more of the city and the facilities. And uh, it's a great organization. And uh, my wife and I are thrilled to be here. Play action. Simeon for the crosser. Intercepted. Button underneath. Kenny Moore's got it. He went down on his own so he can get up and run some more across the 45. And he's down at midfield. Simeon's ill-advised pass. Turns into a Moore pick. So they're probably not going to... Go back to Capitol Grill with Trevor Simeon, the backup quarterback they just traded No, he's for. not going to get Capitol Grill. Culver's might be the option He's not going downtown. No. Unless he rents a car <laughs> and drives downtown himself, he will be, my guess is they're going to identify a place in Egan, and they will take Trevor there, and they will say, welcome to town. Here's, yeah. here's a playbook. See you later. Bye. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, let's, let's knock out a few other things here. And open phone lines from now until the top of the hour. If you have, if you would wine and dine at a specific place that we haven't mentioned yet, feel free to call us six five one six four six eight two five five. Good suggestions before um, the Adrian Peterson thing. Let's get to that. All first. right, all right. So Adrian Peterson, evidently Eric Dickerson, and it looks like Shannon Sharp have defended him and said he should have a job. He's good enough. Mm-hmm. Blah blah. But anyway, it also sounds like he has Adrian has heard the criticism about the fact that he is not a blocking or Dude, receiving this back. Isn't me. I'm just so, reading through this. So he has taken to Twitter. Oh my Adrian God. Peterson, who has nothing to do right now besides probably work out, and he says on Twitter, "I'm not a receiving back. Okay, tell me one of your top free agent running backs that has one season with better numbers." Here are two seasons. And I think what he's doing here is documenting um, uh, passes thrown to him and then catches and then, and then yards. Mm-hmm. And so he documents receiving. So targets, catches. 57 targets, 43 catches, 436 yards. If that sounds familiar, I believe that's his 2009 but, with Favre. Okay, but he's, he's... I know. Wait, wait. It gets better. Okay, yeah, sorry. no. 10.1 <laughs> average. And then he documents a season and says 50 targets, 34 receptions, 341 yards, 9.5 average. A gentleman by the name of Charles L. Freeman, who I take it is just a fan from California, says, that was five years ago. Yeah. Adrian Peterson responds, your point, sir? Now, my point... Age doesn't matter. Now, my point... You are a mere mortal. In responding to to those guys now... uh, He types here, I don't even get this. Based, well, let me decipher. My point in responding to those guys now... Respond, respondent. It's short term. It's... it's so it's respond with just the N after were, it. it would be responding. It's just a quicker way to type it, baby. You were to clearly state when put in the right situation, I was a productive receiving back, and if compared to any point in time, the target's yards and productivity is relevant. Those weren't shovel passes. And then he goes on to tweet, so because you don't believe and rather overlook clear evidence, Adrian tweets, 
Can you find a running back that runs with more force, tenacity, determination, and capitalized word, heart? Send me a link to one running back that ran harder than I did in the 49ers game last year. I won't say another word if you don't do that. Don't box me in. Um, Well, I mean, I'm not going to debate his heart and tenacity and determination. I agree with that part. I'm not sure... I'm not sure if at age 33, is he going to be 33, that that's going to be the thing that scouts and general managers, you know, hang their hat on I above all right else. Here. He's going to be 33 uh, on the 21st of March. Yes, sir. The flaw in his, there's two flaws in his logic here. I mean, there's probably more than two, but yeah. to go back five years, you know, if you're an NFL general manager, age matters big time when you're talking about signing running backs, which are not easily replaceable, but like you can find guys with modern skill sets that can play on third down. And he traditionally has not been that. So, um, so he brings up stats from five years ago that general managers are not looking at Mm -hmm. when they're determining whether they should sign him. Mm -hmm. And then he compares himself as a pass catcher to the other free agent running backs. Well, dude, like you're, so so you're taking away, let's say 10 or 15 amazing running backs that aren't free agents. They're, this is a bell curve, all right? Like I we're not comparing you to Danny Woodhead who's like 34 ACL surgery and not an every down back. Mm-hmm. I want to compare you to Jarek McKinnon maybe. Like would you rather have I think his point is would you rather have me or Jarek McKinnon? And I would rather have Jarek McKinnon 10 times out of 10 in today's NFL and at his age. As would San Francisco. Even at that money that's inflated money, but if you can afford it and yes. you got enough money under the salary cap, yep. so you know, Adrian, don't fight with people on Twitter. If you're fighting with people on Twitter over this, dude, it, well, it's sad. It's sad, and and if it's not pathetic by now, it's going to be. But here, here's the thing that, and this, this is the uh, double-edged sword with Peterson. What made him so great is the thing that great athletes have, which is the ability to suspend their belief to believe that they can do anything. It's why he came back. It's why he tore up his knee on Christmas Eve and came back the next year and rushed for just over 2,000 yards. That was incredible. However, when you age and you start to get into real life, this is now a curse. He doesn't understand. Like, he doesn't understand. He is citing statistics from his 2009 season, which was fantastic. He was great. Brett Favre was his quarterback. It was 2009. So... If you could like flip a switch and say, Adrian, it's time to enter civilian life now. We got to flip the switch. And the switch is going to tell you what's real, what's not real, what you can look at and say, you know what? I was a Hall of Fame back and I was great, but now it's time to enter the real world and be responsible. And But you can't do that. This is why I think a lot of guys struggle so much because there's no uh, switch to flip here. And so he remains the person who says, no, you did you go, did you go back and look at the 49ers game? Go back and look at his game logs from last year, and I think he had two good games. He had two good games. Mm-hmm. So if you're shopping around, two, Rick, I'd like to come back and play for the Vikings. I had two good games last year. Well, but what about the other 14? Well, I was hurt, and I couldn't. It, it's that inability to actually now enter a phase of this is real life that is great when they're fantastic players and a complete curse when they turn about 33 or 34. I do think he'll get a job. I think he'll get employment in training camp in 2018 and it sounds like the cardinals might want to bring him back but david Dave, uh, david johnson coming off an injury so maybe his workload won't quite be what you know it normally would be but david johnson is one of the best every down guys like right. he doesn't need to come out of a game unless he's dinged up or out of gas for a minute Correct. he can so, like david johnson i think has led the league in touches a couple times so he's two pro- year, i think two years ago he did yeah, yeah for he was sure fantastic uh, the other thing the vikings are not messing around 
The Vikings are... So they just agreed to uh, terms with Kirk Cousins this week, and we're waiting for him to sign that contract, and we expect that press conference to take place uh, sometime this afternoon, and we expect to carry it, I would assume, on 1500 ESPN, the Kirk Cousins press conference. I would think so, yes. But they're not done, because Sheldon Richardson, who is 27 years old, in his prime, this will be his first hit at free agency, right? Or was he a free agent after four years and signed with Seattle? I don't remember. Whatever it was. Like, he's he's a free agent I think agent he might now. have been traded to the... Uh, to them from the Jets. Okay, so but, but but he's a very good defensive tackle, looking for a bunch of money, and the Vikings have enough money where they could they could potentially give him like eleven to twelve, thirteen million dollars a year. The question on Sheldon Richardson is more off the field. This is from his Wikipedia page that summarizes some of the off the field stuff that he's had problems with since 2015. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to read this. Mm-hmm. On July 14th, 2015, less than two weeks after receiving his suspension for failing the league's substance abuse policy, mm-hmm. Richardson was arrested in St. Charles County, Missouri, and charged with resisting arrest and traffic violations. He was reportedly street racing in excess of 140 miles per hour before attempting to evade the authorities pursuing him. Two other men and a 12-year-old were found to be in the car, all of whom smelled of marijuana. What? A loaded handgun. We've all been there, Judge. Don't judge. <laughs> okay, keep going. Sorry. A loaded handgun. My bad. A loaded handgun was found beneath the driver's seat. He was not charged with any drug charges or child endangerment, since, according to the prosecutor, there was not enough evidence for a case that was beyond a reasonable doubt. There was no gun charge, since guns are legal in Missouri, and Richardson was in proper possession of it. So, I mean, I guess that's not even a thing worth bringing up if it was legal. But on January 26, 2016, he was found guilty of reckless driving again and resisting arrest. He was fined about $1,000 and received two years probation. It was ordered to undergo 100 hours of community service. So, you know what? If Sheldon Richardson just takes Lyft or Uber, I think we're fine. But what if he tells the guy to drive as fast as you possibly can? Well, then the guy shouldn't. Then the guy shouldn't. Just don't let him drive so 140 like the, miles an hour across town. Say if like, the 12-year-old was like his kid or something? Just, just ends up in the car, a 12-year-old? Just a random 12-year-old driving 140 hey, miles hey an hour. Hey, kid, you want to ride? <laughs> yeah, Mr. Richardson, that'd be great. Step Let's on it. it. Yeah. Uh, Ten minutes to go in the, the first game that tipped off here. This is first-round action from the Midwest portion of the bracket. 10-seed Oklahoma is up 50-47 to 47 over 7-seed Rhode Island. Driving to the basket, nice pass, and blows the layup. Um, oh, that's college basketball for you right there. We also have uh, Tennessee is up 34-23 on Wright State. That's a three-seed, 14-seed halftime. And Gonzaga, UNC Greensboro tied at eight with 12 minutes to go. Uh, Judd for prime mortgage lending. Here. Thank you very much, sir. And you're considering your options now, folks, when it comes to mortgage companies, and, and we know that you have a lot of choices out there. Let me suggest, though, my friends at Prime and Kent McCullough, Because this isn't about selling you on something. Prime wants to earn your trust first. In fact, they would rather earn your trust than sell you that loan. And now you're asking, what does that mean exactly, Judd? And I'll tell you. It means that while Prime would love to have you as a client, they want to meet with you first and they want to explain their plan. They want to take you through the process. The decision is then up to you. This is about teamwork. This is about collaboration. That's what Prime is all about, and it's what they believe in. If you're shopping for a mortgage, you can count on Prime to give you sound advice and straight answers. 
For instance, Prime wants to take some of the mystery out of the mortgage process for you. Here's an example. Did you know Prime may be able to put together a program that can pay your closing costs? Not just include them in your loan, but actually pay them for you. That is because, as I said before, they would rather earn your trust than sell you that loan. All you have to do is go check out their website, goprimewithkent.com. Goprimewithkent, K-E-N-T dot com. We wrap it up on Mackie and Judd after this. Mackie and Judd are back. Now, you can tell when they're ready. By poking them with your finger. On 1500 ESPN. Join Rookie and 1500 ESPN at Big Louie's in New Brighton. He'll be there out the other this evening, 5.30 to 7.30 for the Ultimate College Basketball Tournament viewing party. Basket pong prizes galore. A little bracketology, perhaps. And, of course, the fabulous beer specials. It's sponsored by Dos Equis. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Yep, had a great visit. Looking forward to tomorrow. I'm going to see, be able to see more of the city and the facilities. And, uh, it's a great organization, and uh, my wife and I are thrilled to be here. Uh, here's some more reckless speculation for you, gentlemen. Jordy Nelson and Raiders flirtation. Jordy Nelson, Raiders flirtation. All right. What's the word on Jordy Nelson? That he just, like, doesn't have, doesn't have speed anymore? Like, he... Yeah, I'm and their choice. Sure he had a, a huge season the year after he came back from knee surgery, didn't he? And I know that their choices when they, they were going to have to cut a receiver, and I was either going to be Randall Cobb or Nelson, and they picked Nelson's salary. Well, here it is. So he missed the 2015 season, came back in 2016, had 97 catches for 1,200 yards and four, a career high 14 touchdowns after surgery, and then last year. He missed a game, and he wasn't targeted nearly as often, but he only got 53 passes. The yards per reception were down like five yards and uh, only had 482 yards. Like, what What's the, What was the difference? They're, they're, those seasons are both post-surgery. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, if you thought you could buy low on a guy who was going to give you that production from two years ago, if you're the Vikings, you should be in on that too. Uh, if you had to choose between Jordy Nelson and Sheldon Richardson, though, you'd probably choose Sheldon Richardson. Yeah. He's going to make like 10, 10 plus million dollars. Yes, as, I would. If as a receiver, you don't post big game, big numbers with all those games, Brett Hundley throwing you the ball, you deserve to get cut. That's what I say. Right. That's another reason. Like, if you're Jordy Nelson, if, if don't I, you just show the, show the Brett Hundley film a couple times? To <laughs> Yeah. If I'm Jordy, I'm not too disappointed by this, though, because now I get to go play for Oakland, which is going to move to Las Vegas, which would be fun to be with for a couple years. Playing with Aaron would be great, but, yeah, I wouldn't mind this move. I think this move's pretty solid for him. Uh, Someone, I can't remember if it was you or Dave brought up, uh, Joe Thomas playing on, has there ever been a surefire Hall of Famer or a player of that caliber who played on worse teams? And emailer, let's see here, emailer Joe... Uh, Joe E. brings up Walter Payton, early Walter Payton, because those Bears teams in the 70s were really bad. But they yeah. went on at the at the very end, obviously, they went on to win a Super Bowl. Right. He had like two years left in his career. They won a Super what, Bowl. Was the question, uh, uh, surefire first ballot Hall of Fame player who never won a Super Bowl, was that the... Well, just oh, like just to play on being on bad teams. Be horrible for every single year you've been in the league except one. Where he won what they won ten games, I think, his rookie year. Yeah. So yeah. I, I would think baseball and football give you the best chances to find these guys because if you're that good in basketball, your team is gonna be you're pretty LeBron. good, right? Yeah, you're gonna carry the calves with you and a bunch of scrubs. Well, yep. Banks played on Cubs teams for years that were atrocious. That's right? a great one. Yeah. And he he never he went ever... to World Series because they obviously didn't go to World Series in his entire from nineteen forty five until he didn't come they in won until it. the fifties, right? Yeah. Like the early fifties. Yep. yep. That's a great one. 
and he never played. He never played in a World Series, and I think the closest he came to winning a division was probably '69 when they when they uh, choked against the Mets. Yeah, in fact, there's probably a bunch of Cubs guys. I mean, Ryan Sandberg. Although they went to the playoffs once or twice with Ryan Sandberg, there was and they got got beaten the first. Banks, round. Ron Santo, who was their great third baseman. Now he he wasn't as good as uh, Banks was, but he played on a bunch of bad Cubs teams. So yeah, the Cubs have a, a few guys who have that distinction. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other football players too. I mean, if you're a great quarterback, people might say Dan Marino, but they went to the playoffs enough. And Dan, if well, you're that good at quarterback, it's got to be a non-quarterback. What almost. makes mm-hmm. what makes Joe Thomas's case so special is the fact he never left. Like ordinarily, since free agency became a thing in this league, ordinarily, if you're on the Cleveland Browns, you just bail. You get through your first contract, right? Then you might sign a second contract, but essentially it's someone he played eleven years and he kept going back. And there was times where we thought for sure he was going to get traded to a contender, and he still wanted to stay there. That's yeah. what's weird about his and story. Like, I know, like the loyalty to that crappy ownership and organization. And it's not even like okay, there's a general manager that really believes in me, and we have or a coach that I just really get along with. It's been like throughout Joe Thomas's career, probably five different head coaches and a bunch of different general managers. So it, it's just loyalty the- to. A piece of cloth at that point, the, or a city. The cynic in you. Oh, Barry Sanders and or people are chiming in. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah, yep, that's good. The cynic in me about Joe Thomas said, "Was it loyalty, or was he just happy and satisfied, and not have that that next gear where you're like, I got to go to a place I can win?" That's the that that's the cynic in me that wonders how can you go eleven years and you're not just bad for yeah. the most part, you are just awful. I feel bad for how many times he had to think. All right, this next quarterback, this is the guy. This is finally the guy. Nope. That's not the guy. <laughs> <Nope>. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, and, what about this guy and this coach? And he's the left tackle, so he's thinking, I'm giving this guy all day long to throw. <laughs> he's got to be good. Yeah. He's got three hours, and he still can't find anybody. <laughs> wow. Um, we are uh, back tomorrow. Little game show Friday, and write that down action tomorrow. And the longer the clock ticks without Kirk Cousins signing, I think it's, we'll see if we get a press conference today or tomorrow, but we expect uh, to carry that on 1500 ESPN. Uh, my best guess is, anyways. The rumor might be around 3 o'clock is last I saw now. Okay. Maybe around 3 o'clock this afternoon. All right. We shall see. Uh, you can find our on-demand stuff, Mackie and Judd show page at 1500ESPN.com.